Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so in the iTunes App Store. You can find us on NP Online. Subscribe. You'll be notified every time we upload a new episode. There is no charge for the subscription. And for those of you out there who are currently listening on Android, we will be in the Google Play Store shortly. So you'll be able to find us both places. Podbean.com is our hosting service. So temporarily, if you don't have um, an iOS device and you're forced to do Google Play Store until we're uploaded there, you can follow us on podbean.com. Again, there is no charge to subscribe to this show. We also encourage you to follow and like, uh, preferably like, our Facebook page, National Preview Online. And you can also visit our website, National previewonline.com. If you'd like to send us any questions or suggestions for shows on topics you would like us to cover, please feel free to email us directly at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. Okay. So thank you once again for joining us, especially those of you who have subscribed, and please share this podcast with friends of yours. We're looking to grow our audience base. Now, I said yesterday in yesterday's show that I was going to speak a little bit more in detail about the left's plan for foisting socialism or communism on this great nation. And one of the things that socialists, communists, leftists, professional anarchists do is to try and divide and conquer. I find it laughable when people accuse President Trump of trying to do this when they themselves are trying to do it. I just watched a few minutes ago a hearing being held in the Senate chaired by Ted Cruz in which the senator from Hawaii showed a very, very well-edited video attempting to portray the real threat and the real anarchists in Portland as the uniformed police officers um, sent by federal law enforcement, not the the Portland protesters. This was followed by a statement from some half-assed senator from the state of Oregon who tried to echo the same feelings and lay the blame at the feet of the police officers. Not once did any of these people on the left mention the 200-some-odd police officers who have been seriously injured over the course of these protests, a police officer Underwood who was killed as a part of these protests in the aftermath of George Floyd, or uh, retired Captain Dorn, also African-American, killed in the aftermath of the protests uh, regarding the death of George Floyd. And so, Using that, I want to focus on just how the left divides and conquers. We've seen this show before. You will recall back in August of 2014, sorry, a young man by the name of Michael Brown Jr., an 18-year-old black man, was fatally shot in Ferguson, Missouri, by police officer Darren Wilson, who was white. Now, when this thing first came down, uh, there were a lot of pieces of misinformation that were deliberately allowed to be released. The biggest lie, of course, was that Michael Brown was running away with his hands up, don't shoot. And this became such a narrative that you had members of the St. Louis Rams taking the field, you know, with their hands up, saying, you know, shirts, hands up, don't shoot, you know, giving, giving weight to this lie. Uh, when these people were, and by these people I mean witnesses, when they were re-questioned and put under oath, they changed their story. And the story they changed to was that Michael Brown did not put his hands up and say, hands up, don't shoot. Uh, 
uh, autopsy showed he was not shot in the back. And further, DNA evidence from the crime scene shows that far from being a distance away with his hands up from Officer Wilson, he was in fact in the radio car trying to force his way in, fight with the cop, and rip his duty uh, duty weapon from his holster. DNA of, of Mr. Brown was on the gun indicating that the struggle that Darren Wilson described in the grand jury was true. He was fighting for his weapon, and this was a close quarters combat situation. Now, the DA, after an intensive investigation, elected not to pursue charges. He lost his reelection because of that. The subsequent victor, um, the new DA, who happened to be of African-American descent, reinvestigated quietly and secretly this entire incident. And after months of reinvestigation, five months to be exact, he said that he could not credibly bring any charges against Officer Wilson. That would be Prosecutor Wesley Bell. Of also particular note is that the Justice Department also investigated. And that was when the Justice Department was headed by Eric Holder, certainly no friend of the police officers. This was, remember, during the Obama administration. They investigated, and by March, 5th, March of 2015, the following year, they announced their findings and cleared Wilson of all civil rights violations. Notwithstanding the lies that were told, the truth came out. Unfortunately, prior to the truth, came out, uh, truth coming out, much unrest uh, was visited upon not only the citizens of St. Louis, but also in areas all across this country. So a lie repeated becomes the truth. Just as Goebbels, Hitler's minister of misinformation, used to say, a lie repeated once remains a lie. But a lie repeated over and over again becomes the truth. And to this day, despite the findings of two separate St. Louis prosecutors and the Federal Department of Justice, people still, in some quarters, prefer to believe the lie, repeat the lie, and not say the truth. And among them is none other than President Obama, who was always quick to put his foot in his mouth and opened his mouth before all the facts were in and further skewed the, um, the evidence against him. Now, as I said before, we've seen this um, drama before, and now we're seeing it again. You've heard the name George Floyd. George Floyd was the man who was killed in Minneapolis earlier this year. And we all saw the photographs of the officer, Derek Chauvin, with his knee on his neck as he was down on the ground. As usual, a lot of that was taken out of context. Now, recently, <clears throat> the full eight-minute video from the body cameras was released. And you can see for yourself, and we plan to put this video up on our Facebook page a little bit later, and it'll be available later today for you to view, the officers were approaching Mr. Floyd with a degree of trepidation, but they in no way were anything but professional with him. They had to draw on him because they didn't know what he had in his hands, but nobody was beating him up. Nobody was fighting him. 
and they just tell him to calm down, put your hands where we can see them. They didn't abuse him. And Mr. Floyd's reaction was one who seemed to be uh, seemed to be out of keeping with the situation. Please don't shoot me. Please, I, I'm not that. I'm not a bad guy. And he kept repeating, "I'm not a bad guy. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of guy." Um, the way he was carrying on, if you were just looking at audio, uh, listening to audio, and not looking at video, you would have thought the cops were doing something to him that they shouldn't have been doing. In fact, they were acting very professionally. So let's address these things real quickly. First of all, in point of fact, George Floyd was that kind of guy. He was a bad guy. Now, he might not have been very bad that day, but the notion that George Floyd was some innocent choir boy is not factual. Between 1997 and 2005, Floyd was sentenced to jail terms eight times <clears throat> on various charges, including drug possession, theft, and trespassing. And in 2009... He was sentenced to five years in prison for armed robbery in a home invasion. And he was paroled in 2013. And he was pretty, pretty mean in this um, home invasion, uh, I believe, even at one point holding a gun to a pregnant woman. I mean, that's, I would say that's pretty bad. I would say that's very bad. Now, in this particular incident, he was accused of having passed a counterfeit bill. But I can tell you, that when you go to arrest someone, you may be thinking that you're arresting them for something minor. But they may be wanted on a warrant for something more serious that you have no idea about. And so you, they might react in a, in a manner which you might be uh, considered unexpected or inconsistent with somebody being stopped for a counterfeit 20. But you don't know what they're wanted on. So you have to assume that everyone is a threat until they're secured. He began kicking out the windows of the car, and he was put down on the ground. He was put down on the ground. Uh, we all saw the famous picture of Derek Chauvin with his knee on his neck for nearly eight minutes. And so now the calls come out uh, for the indictment of the officer and that, he's, that George Floyd was murdered. Well, I can't say that I, I've ever seen police officers justifiably put their knee on someone's neck. I'm not... I don't claim to be intimately familiar with the training programs in all police departments. Uh, I've, I've never seen that in my years, uh, but I'm not going to speak on it until I hear what the officer has to say. But I can speak to this. The Hennepin County Medical Examiner's autopsy report is very enlightening when it comes to George Floyd's death. The 46-year-old man, they listed, who became unresponsive while being restrained by law enforcement. He received emergency medical care in the field and subsequently in the Hennepin Healthcare Emergency Department, which indicates that he was still viable when they brought him to the hospital, but it says he couldn't be resuscitated. Now, the injuries are basically the sort of superficial injuries that you would say are consistent with someone who resists arrest by the police. Uh, blunt force injuries, cutaneous blunt force injuries to the forehead, face, and upper lip none of which were life-threatening. Mucosal injuries of the lips, meaning the lips were a little blackened or blue. Cutaneous, cutaneous is a fancy word for skin. Blunt force injuries of the shoulders, hands, elbows, and legs. And patterned contusions in some areas abraded of the wrists. Now, this is consistent with somebody being handcuffed. But in addition to this, George Floyd had arteriosclerotic heart disease, multifocal, and it was severe. He had hypertension, 
heart disease. Cardiomegaly with a mild biventricular dilation, so he has problems with his valve. A clinical history of hypertension and an incidental finding, they said they had a, a, pelvic, a pelvic tumor on his left pelvis. Non-life-threatening injuries identified. No facial, oral, mucosal, or conjunctival petechia. Now, what are these? These are little minute hemorrhages in the capillaries of the eye, which can occur in cases of choking, chest compression, or drowning. So despite the fact that we see video uh, of Mr. Chauvin's knee on Mr. Floyd's neck, there's no physical manifestation uh, or evidence of asphyxiation as a consequence of that. No injuries to the anterior muscles of the neck or the laryngeal structures. That means the anterior is the front. So his larynx, his voice box, his thyroid cartilage, not broken, not fractured. Therefore, no disruption of airflow. No scalp or soft tissue, skull or brain injuries. So he wasn't beaten about the head. No chest wall soft tissue injuries. No rib fractures other than a single rib fracture, which from which, which was deemed to come from the CPR. No vertebral column injuries, meaning he has nothing wrong with his spinal cord or his, or his neck as a result of this uh, pressure on the neck. No visceral injuries. Incision and subcutaneous dissection of posterior and lateral neck, shoulders, back flanks, and buttocks, negative for occult trauma. Viral testing, turns out he had the COVID-19 virus, and he looked like a walking drugstore. Toxicology tests performed on George Floyd's remains revealed him to have blood drug and novel psychoactive, uh, psychoactive substances, fentanyl, norfentanyl, 4-ANPP, methamphetamine, 11-hydroxy-delta-THC, cotinine-positive, caffeine-positive, uh, negative for any alcohol, methanol, or anything like that. Urine screening also confirms the, press, the presence of cannabis. So this guy had a lot of drugs on board. So now, what does this all mean? Well, just as the media used the case of Michael Brown to throw this country into a tailspin, they're doing it again under President Trump's watch with the case of George Floyd, wanting you to believe that it's something that it isn't. And this I will tell you, my friends. Under the law, you need more than to prove an action in order to prove homicide. There is a thing in the law called causation. That means it doesn't matter a hill of beans if you've got videos showing Derek Chauvin with his knee on the neck of George Floyd. Unless the medical authority in that area that has jurisdiction, the medical examiner in Hennepin County, can definitively say that that neck compression was the proximate cause of George Floyd's death. He cannot be held accountable for his death. Now, in the case title, they do say cardiopulmonary arrest complicating law enforcement's of dual restraint and neck compression. So they basically said he died of a cardiopulmonary event, uh, which complicated law enforcement's subdual restraint and neck compression of George Floyd. If you've got no injuries to the thyroid cartilage, no injuries to the structure of the neck, no injuries to the anterior muscles of the neck or the laryngeal structures, and you've got no petechial hemorrhages to... Con to uh, 
conclude there was any meaningful chest compression or uh, stagnation of blood flow causing a raised pressure in the brain and therefore causing these hemorrhages to appear. You've got a hell of a hurdle to clear for causation. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news for those on the left, but it's looking more and more like what they thought was going to be a slam dunk is not going to be a slam dunk. Now, why is this done, ladies and gentlemen? I told you I would give you their game plan. Because the fact of the matter is that people of color are not disproportionately killed by the police in this country. To the, any minute extent that they might be is because there's a disproportionate involvement on the part of that demographic in criminal activity. In point of fact, far more white males are shot and killed by police every year than black males. And I like to believe, and it is true, that most law enforcement officers in this country discharge their duties in a fair, unbiased, and professional manner. And the reason why more of them are not indicted in the, these custody deaths is because they're usually justified in their actions. But when they get a juicy little tidbit like this with a seemingly good video, they go and they run with it. And they don't give a hoot in hell. They don't give a shit that it's not true because that's exactly what they want. They almost pray that they get a case that they can make look like it's true and have it not be true after the fact. And then they can try and say, oh, it's all part of the cover-up. You see, we never get justice. Black lives don't matter. Look, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. The organization Black Lives Matter is full of shit. They engage in this type of thing. They're run by terrorists. They're run by anarchists. Because if black lives really mattered to them, they'd be up in Chicago every time gang, uh, gangbangers are up there laying waste to the streets. 13 kids getting shot on a weekend is normal in Chicago. And they're all black. Violence is up in New York City. Shootings are up 30 40%. Who's the primary victims? Young black men. So if black lives really matter, you'd stop peddling these false narratives and start getting down to cases. Now we've got our professional sports corrupted by this. It's coloring everything in this election. But this is just one of the many techniques they use to sow disrest. We'll be giving you more during the course of the rest of the week with subsequent podcasts. Thank you for joining us. Please tell your friends about us. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury. Thank you, and God bless you.